person ever i fucking recorded like eight minute intro and i go back to check on it boom it didn't record except for i got to hit record i'm a fucking idiot but anyway the band you just listened to they're called watcher they're out of pennsylvania man heavy ass shit this dude from fucking sweden hit me up because i asked people to well you know if they like i'm like to share their music you know it doesn't matter where you're from you don't got to be fucking detroit but he has a record label, dude Gabriel, his uh, shit is called uh, Negative Aggression Tapes. He specializes in, in uh, putting out cassette tapes, man. I can't believe that shit is fucking... I don't understand it, but I like it. I think it's cool why everybody's making the tapes. I know it's a cheap you know, thing you can collect or whatever. It's fun. <clears throat> but the band Watcher, their album that they put out, I think it's fucking December of... Uh, called Plague Sessions. It's got members of Built Upon Frustration, Shame Spiral, fucking Enemy Mind, Final Stand, bunch of super good Pennsylvania bands. Yeah, if you don't know, now's the time to check out more of this shit since I just forced you to listen to that shit. Now you want to go break through a wall. I do. But anyway... I said anybody who wants me to give their shit a shout out, I sure as hell will, because I like finding new music just as much as anybody else. On to the new episode. Obviously, you read the titles with John Music from Tyrant, fucking Born of Hate, he was in King of Clubs, from Bitter Peace AD, just a uh, Smasher Enemies. He's fucking been around for so goddamn long. He's been in so many good bands. He's a great guitarist, great vocalist. He can fucking scream his head off. Great bassist. He does it all, man. Um, his newest band, though, Born of Hate, he plays bass in, and they have a little four-song fucking demo out on Bandcamp right now. You can find it pretty much everywhere. They had physical copies back when you could see the shit, but you can't go see them right now. But it's good music. Heavy as fuck. They got Jesse, Jesse Adkins screaming, John on bass. They even got Mike Hasty from fucking Walls of Jericho on that shit, man. Who else? I don't know. <clears throat> I know John's friend uh, was a drummer from, from fucking Iowa. But he's a good drummer, man. I love it all. Oh, yeah, Thomas. That's what he said his name was. Apologize, sir. But, uh,. Fucking Matt Martin, big long-haired gorilla on guitar. Super tough, man. It just... All that music. Uh, I don't know. It's just good. Check it out. And listen to this episode. We're talking about Straight Edge, uh, fucking Tyrant, the crazy-ass Tyrant shows, obviously. That was more my era. And John's uh, time listening... Er, John's time, you know, in bands. And when I was most active, if you will. Um, I'm done ranting because I don't know how to rant. I just say crazy shit and I sound like a fucking idiot. Check out John's new band. They're on Instagram, Bandcamp, blah, blah, blah. Tyrant, they uh, just re-released their first album, uh, Welcome to Hell, 
on over and out recordings. I do not know if he has anything left that is gone. Good for him. He deserves it. Check it out. Welcome to the Terror Zone, bitch. It is recording. Are you sure, you motherfucker? (laughs) Check, check. I swear to God. You I see it moving? It. You see the shit going up and down? Watching it on <laughs> That was so fucked up. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to pretend that we didn't do this already. So this is round two with John from Tyrant, Born of Hate, fucking Provoke, Smash Your Enemies, all the above. Bunch of bands. Man. Bunch of bands. Fucking Detroit OG. And it was funny because I was actually thinking, um, when you had your first uh, Born of Hate show, it was the prong, so we went over that. Yeah. You know, that's one of the bands got you in there. Yep. But, see, I remember seeing you when Prong was playing, like, how excited you looked. You were, like, oh, yeah. you were recording with your phone, like, you're like, fuck yeah, man. Yeah, man. And then that, you know, we had talked about, you know, what initially led me into hardcore. And, and so, you know, I kind of grew up the same way as everybody else did that they got into the hardcore scene. Um, you know, my path was more metal. You know, I was a skateboarder. You know, grew up listening to Metallica and Slayer and Anthrax. And, and that was actually my, my first first actual show was clash of the titans and i think that was 91 and uh junior high so it was like my buddy's mom took us you know it was at the uh, pine knob and, and it was um it, it was allison chains open up and and you know that was before anybody knew who they were which they'd go on to be one of my favorite bands of all time um and it was, uh, you know, Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth. So that's the stuff I was into, man. I, I was not much into punk rock. And I just kind of thought, like, punk rock music was sloppy. And I didn't really seem to get into I was I was a guitar player. So I just, I kind of liked the more, you know, riff bands. And, uh, you know, so that, that kind of led me into, you know, you, you're listening to Metallica and Slayer. And then you start just, you know hearing more bands and, and, you know, like most people that grew up in the, in the nineties, you know, it's like you, you buy CDs or tapes and you look at the, you know, the, um, the band thanks and, you know, you read zines and you got friends that are trying to find bands. And, but it, it was really my buddy who, uh, he, he was kind of the like, Hey, check this band out. My sister, you know, or I'm sorry, his sister, she was kind of older and always, you know, hey, this is a new band. This is a new hardcore band. And so, you know, that's how I started getting into bands like Sheer Terror and Slapshot and, you know, just more like hardcore driven bands. And um, I remember Prong was like a band that I really was into. And, and I remember my buddy saying, yeah, they're playing at St. Andrews. So I I just was like begging people to take me i was i was so young i couldn't drive but finally found someone that they're like yeah we got an open seat and i threw him some gas money and and it ended up being uh it was prong and um jawbox at saint andrews and that did it for me man that show was like it was a small venue you know you're close to the bands and and that was kind of my first small show you know i had seen metallica before and all these big arena metal bands and but uh that did it man i was i was hooked and and it's funny that you know i'm straight edge so that was my first kind of seeing straight edge i remember these kids standing in front of me and they're a couple straight edge kids wearing backpacks and they had patches all over their shirts and you know vegan and straight edge and 
they had the chokers on and everything. And, and I remember I was a burnout, man. I had long hair, combat boots. I was smoking a cigarette. And they kept looking smoke on their yeah, back. and they kept looking back at me, and and I said to my buddy, I'm like, what the fuck are these motherfuckers looking at? Like, you know, we're like kind of white trash metal dudes, you know, and we're thinking like these dudes are gonna get fucking beat up, man, because they they just kind of look like these like little goofy kids with their hoodie and you know their patches all over, and and so that was kind of my first, you know, I I, I was kind of questioning what's straight edge, you know, and then I remember my buddy telling me about it and. At the time, I was, you know, it just wasn't something I identified with, but, uh, but yeah, man, that did it. So yeah, were you in any any bands at that time, or you didn't start till you know I, later on? I did some goofing around in high school. Um, I was, you know, with a few friends. We had a, a band. You know, it wasn't anything to write home about. We didn't record any music. Um, played like a battle of the bands, and that was about it man i actually didn't uh didn't get serious with the band till i had graduated high school um you know and moved on to uh moved out to iowa to go to college and, and that's kind of where i started my first serious band but before that it was just like you know going to as many shows as we could go to um you know me and my buddies i mean any show that was playing anywhere any venue any bands yeah. i mean metal hardcore I mean, you know, a lot of good shows, man. Pantera, White Zombie, Helmet. That was a band I was super into. But um, but I remember my buddy Jesse, he was like, hey, man, you know, he had given me this sheer terror tape. And uh, I remember just loving it, man. I was like, this is awesome. And he was like, if you like sheer terror, you'll like this band Cold as Life. And he played it for me. And this is the the demo with Ron. And, and I remember just being like, fuck this is so heavy and he's like they're from detroit they're this fucking just heavy ass just evil band and and uh you know i'd seen their name on flyers and, and it seemed like every show they played was always 21 and over you know and a lot of venues you know couldn't get into and finally i think i was i was in high school and uh there's this death metal band playing malevolent creations. And I, I was into them and I thought, you know, let's go to that show. It was at the uh, Ritz in Roseville and the opening band was cold as life. And I was like, fuck, this is awesome. <laughs> and this was back when Jeff was singing and playing guitar. And I remember just thinking, you know, obviously different vocals than the demo I had heard, but I, it was just like the evilest, heaviest shit ever. And I was like, and, and it's just progressively, that's where it went with music. It was like, you know, you start off with some metal and kind of got into some more hardcore bands and Slapshot and Madball and Agnostic Front. And that led me to, you know, bands like Cold as Life. And, and, and that changed it all, man. I Heavier was the better. Yeah, huh? man. So heavy. And, and it just, you know, I, I, I think I, I told you before the, I was in Harmony House, and uh, I found this cassette tape called Universal Stomp, and I didn't know who they were. Again, recognized the name, but the tape was called The Stomping of Jake, and I just looked at the song titles, and I'm like, this band's got to be so heavy. And so I bought it, and I was like, kind of reminded me of Biohazard, which yeah. at the time was like my favorite band, and still is my favorite band of all time. You know, and, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so... So yeah, I moved to Iowa. 
um, spent, you know, so as of 95, spent quite a few years there going to college, uh, played in two bands there. Um, my first serious band was Provoke, so uh, played a lot of good shows, put out some music, a lot of good opportunities to play with really good bands. Um, some of the some of the shows, you know, that, that we were able to get on were just iconic bands like S.O.D., um, Clutch, played with them. Yeah. So how was like how was the scene in Iowa? So when you think of Iowa, you kind of think of like in the middle of cornfields, yep. there fucking cows everywhere, like you're right. slaughterhouses, yep. and yep. then so There's, is there like a venue or is it just like a like a VFW that so they they allow you to play there? Yeah, or in so, bar shows. So it was the Quad Cities. So it's two Iowa cities and two Illinois cities that all meet together. So it was actually a pretty big area. But you're right, man. You you go ten minutes outside of that, it's nothing but cornfields and. And just pastures and, 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 but, you know, it, it's the connector between major cities, you know, so it's where all the bands drive through, you know, so, I mean, it was actually a good stopping place for bands to play shows on their way to Chicago or St. Louis, or if they're heading to the West Coast, you know, they're hitting that highway. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of good shows that came through, mostly, mostly smaller bands, but, but, you know, they had the, you know, their own venues and there were some, you know, pretty, pretty big places, but, um, there was a lot of DIY stuff too. There was a coffee shop that did shows and that's, yeah. that's ultimately where I'd get my start booking shows is my buddy, um, you know, he was booking hardcore bands and he got asked to do a hood show and he was kind of like, eh, I don't like this tough guy stuff. You know, John, you're into that tough guy stuff, aren't you? You know, and and uh, he said, you know, Hoods needs a show, and it's with Dysphoria. And uh, so I didn't know what I was doing booking a show, but I was like, yeah, man. I'm like, seems pretty easy. I just, you know, hooked up with this coffee shop that had like a little space in the back and got someone at a PA and just kind of DIY'd it. And, and that kind of opened up, you know, booking shows. And, you know, I hooked up with, uh, Joe hardcore that does, this is hardcore fest. And, uh, he would send me bands and, you know, Hey, this band needs a show coming through. And so, yeah, I was able to book a lot of, a lot of good shows. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I don't know anything about booking or anything, but I can imagine, you know, when you're in a, such a small city, you know, I know bands have to pass through, but were you calling bands like to come like, Hey, not really. Or, or was, just see they're about to go on tour. Yeah, and just you know, be like, um, you know, you like had scenes like, or just like over no. the phone because what the fuck? There's yeah. no internet. You know, well, it's not too big then, right? It, it, it would be more uh, the booking agents, you know, mm -hmm. would just be like, hey, we got this band coming through. We're looking for a show somewhere between here and here. And, you know, I, I worked probably around like three or four cities, um, you know, where I could book shows mm -hmm. and I would just, you know, try to try to help out as much as I could. And, you know, it was nothing we're making money off of and, you know, I mean, uh, the shows were good. Lots of kids would come out, but it was it was definitely DIY. It wasn't any like, you know, I'm trying to do this for a living. You know, mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah, man, I I booked a lot of a lot of good bands, and but uh, you know, gave my my bands an opportunity too to play with some good bands. You know, uh, I started another band called King of Clubs, and um, play guitar in that band, and and we we you know just try to play any and every show we could get on so yeah it was, it was cool man we were able to play with you know a lot of good bands did you guys uh let's go back to uh provoke that was first right yep so 
So did you guys like go like on tour or anything? Or did you, or did you did. leave the area like very yeah, much? Yeah, yeah, we did. We did, you know, a couple small tours. Um, we did, uh, you know, like a ten day one time. You know, we did some long weekends, but it, it was it was tough because the band, you know, we all had jobs, we all had stuff we had to, yeah. you know, responsibilities. So we couldn't just take off and tour. But no, we we tried. We played a lot. You know, we, we did play a lot of shows. Um, but uh, didn't tour a whole bunch. But the probably my favorite tour we did was was uh, uh, we did a three day with Cold as Life, and that was mm. awesome. So yeah. they we did like Illinois City. Uh, we did um, a show in Iowa. Uh, I take that back. It was supposed to be three shows. One got canceled, and uh, so yeah, we didn't we didn't get the third show. But but that was uh, that was right when uh, Declination of Independence came out. So. They were just looking to get away and do a weekend thing, and so we hooked up with them, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's one thing I was also confused on because I didn't know if Tyrant or King of Clubs came first, because you know, I yeah. really, so I didn't really know you that well. Yep. So you know, King I seen Clubs, like King of Clubs like, yeah. after I knew who Tyrant was. Yep. I was like, oh shit, okay. Yeah, so so basically, King of Clubs was started um, just me and a bunch of friends, and. Uh, yeah, it was probably like 2001 or something. I can't remember the date or the year, but um, but yeah, we started in Iowa, uh, and, and eventually, you know, once I moved back to Michigan, they would continue on without me. Um, and you know, they they did a lot of good things, man. They played Europe a few times, and you know, put out a lot more music. But um, they they had broken up, and then they did, um, or I should say, we uh, we got asked as an original lineup to play a benefit show for a friend and. I, I want to say it was like 2014, 2015, I think. Um, so we did kind of reunite and uh, play that benefit show. And that just kind of re-sparked the fire to, you know, write more music. And, and we, we went to Europe and put a new record out. And so, yeah, that's probably why, because that did come out after Tyrant had already been broken up. But, um, but yeah, that band... Uh, you know, once I moved back to, to Michigan, that was about 2003. Um, you know, so my, my band Provoke had broken up and King of Clubs, I, I had, you know, quit to, uh, you know, from moving back home. So, yeah. Yeah. I like the uh, King of Clubs record with, with you on vocals, man. That shit's fucking hard. Like, one of my favorite songs on that one is Mob Deep. It's just so grimy yeah, and nasty. Cool. It's like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, it's interesting because I, I play guitar in that band and, you know, I've always been the guitar player, uh, the singer James, you know, um, great front man. It's just when we recorded that record, we, we recorded the music and I don't know, man, just something, you know, it's just he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling singing anymore. I don't know, man. I don't know if it was just some personal stuff going on, but he just didn't want to go in. He just didn't want to record. And the album just sat. And our label was like, look, man, you know, we, we got to put this record out. And mm-hmm. so we had a few talks with him. And, and it just came down to like, you know, hey, look, either record the vocals or, you know, we're going to try to figure something else out. So so that's how I ended up singing on it. I, I had no, you know, intentions of it. You know, I, I recorded the guitar and yeah, I just... We wanted the record out, wanted to get the music out, so I just went in and just kind of like crammed, right? You know, wrote all the lyrics uh, and went in, and recorded it, and then yeah, it was put out. So yeah. that's how I ended. I ended up being, you know, doing the vocals on it. Yeah, all the albums are good, but yeah. that one, I think, you know, it's yeah, it's it's. Well, you're like, 
And your voice is really clear in that one, too. Yeah. You know, some some bands, you can't even understand what they're saying, so you have to, like, read the lyrics to, you know. Yeah. But then you can hear it all, man. This is, like, clear and yeah, fucking tough. We're, and, we're happy with it. Yeah. Again, you know, James, great voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. But it was just you know, heard one the other of those ones. things, just trying to get the music out. Mm-hmm. So it just that's just how that yeah, ended up. Good but, one, though. All the records. But, um, so, but then... Since after you did those bands, you know, you moved back after you graduated high school. Right? Or, sorry, fuck, um, uh, college. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So that was uh, 2003. I moved back to Michigan. And uh, so, you know, kind of the same thing. You know, I just, you know, got got back, you know, around some people I knew and, and, you know, going to shows. And, you know, I tried to keep up with Detroit Hardcore as much as I could. And it was, it was tough living in Iowa. But, you know, I kept up with all the bands. And I would try to go to shows when I could. And. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of hooked back up with a few friends and, and, you know, they were talking about starting a new band and I was like, Hey man, uh, I play guitar, you know, if you need a guitar player and they were like, yeah, you know, and, and so the, the idea was pitched to me that. All right, we're here now. And, um, one of the main questions that is most important, obviously to tie right now is. How did they get? How did Tyrant start? And who was in Tyrant? Gotcha. Just want to say it's good to be back in the old uh, Terror Zone uh, speakeasy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know this, but his his studio here is a, a basic speakeasy where uh, Governor Whitmer is probably not going to be, you know, in in on uh, his business dealings down here. So no, she wouldn't be too happy for sure. <laughs> like seeing people that's not in your family, right? Sinner. <laughs> Uh, so, Tyrant was started uh, 2003. Um, if, if I can remember correctly, I mean, there's probably just a different different ways, you know, uh, it was pitched to me. But but I remember uh, Terry Lawson, which he was, you know, really the brains behind the band initially. Um, I think we were just hanging out one night and he said, you know, I'm thinking about starting this band. You know, do you want to play guitar? And you know, he had some songs written and some riffs and, you know, he just kind of told me, you know, it's going to be a straight edge bands. You know, this is the sound we're going for. Um, you know, Dave and Matt were going to be singing, uh, you know, and at the time Matt was at, uh, was in the, in the military still. So he's, I, I think he was in Afghanistan at the time, but, um, you know, they knew he was going to be done and out. And so, uh, we just thought, you know, we'll have time to write. And, uh, so, you know, initially meeting up with, with all the guys was, you know, Terry Lawson on guitar, uh, me on guitar. Um, our drummer's uh, name was Grant, and bass player was Nico. So uh, so that, that was like the original lineup from day one. You know, uh, we just kind of met up, started writing some music, and, and uh, you know, just, just kind of went from there. You know, there's, there's like two lineups to Tyrant. You know, over the years, there's been a lot of members, you know, come and go, guitar players and bass players and drummers. But the two solid lineup was the original um, lineup that that released Welcome to Hell. And then uh, once we went through several members through the years, you know, the the second kind of constant lineup that that seemed to be the longest running lineup was, uh, you know, me singing, Dave singing. Uh, Terry Ulin on guitar, Brad uh, Walker on guitar, and uh, Chris Zemmerfeld playing bass. So we didn't have like a 
like a solid drummer. Um, we kind of went, you know, in and out with drummers and just villains and stuff. Cause tough when you're in a straight edge band, either, you know, people quit for their reasons or, you know, they're not straight edge anymore. And so it just, it made it tough to always, you know, have a, a you know, a full solid straight edge drummer. But, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much the, the two solid lineups. Yeah. And I just thought it was cool that, you know, you can get a whole group of straight edge guys that share the same outlook and meaning, you know, at certain times of their life. And, uh, like, I don't know how I want to put it. Like, there's not many people you can find five or six guys that all don't drink or smoke or whatever, yeah. except, like, at a hardcore show. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. It was a big-ass group of guys. I, I will say, during that time, there there was a lot of straight-edge people. So it wasn't hard to really find members at that time. That was just just a time when straight-edge was alive. There was a lot of straight-edge bands. You know, a lot of the people coming to shows were straight-edge. So it was it was getting to be a big movement. But that comes and goes through the years, man. It's like sometimes there'll be a lot of straight-edge kids, you know, some will sell out, some will just stop coming to shows, but it does get difficult, you know, as you stay together as a band and lose members, you know, it's tough to just constantly have to try to find straight edge members. So that, that makes it difficult being a straight edge band. But, you know, once you make that war cry, it's like, you can't just go one day and like, yeah, we're a straight edge band and this is our, you know, this is our mark and this is what we have to say. And then, and then just stop. I mean, that, you know, I, I think you just break up and just rebrand yourself if that's the case. But, uh, but yeah, it, I do remember it, it was, it was difficult finding the right people. You know, you lose a guitar player or get a bass player and you know, you're just trying to think through, you know, who in the Detroit hardcore scene is straight edge, you know, who plays instruments, what, you know, are they already in bands? It, you know, so yeah, it, it made it difficult at times. Yeah, I mean, well, just like getting into straight edge though, like, like it's weird. Like, that has a big impact on some people's lives and others. Like, you're gonna claim it, whether you are now or you aren't. That's still such a big part of somebody's life and a big um, commitment to say, "I'm straight edge. And I'm not gonna drink. I'm not gonna smoke." Yeah. And so, like, uh, admirable is what I was going to say. Like, like, me, I never even once fucking thought about it, to be honest. Yeah, it never crossed yeah, a, a lot of people's minds. And that's you know? okay. It's not for everybody. You know, it, it, it's just kind of where you end up sometimes. I, I think, you know, being straight edge sometimes is, you know, you, you might have grown up a certain way and just said, you know, this isn't for me. You might have just gotten into it because your friends were into it, you know. And, and, and that happens a lot, young kids and you might later on in life, you know, hey, this isn't for me. And it happens more so than that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you're kind of led into it. And it could just be like, wow, you know, this is something I identify with, you know, and you just meet people that have kind of the same ideals as you. And at some point, you know, you just decide to make that commitment. And uh, But I, I know for me, I, I didn't decide to be straight edge till gosh i was in must have been my mid-20s um you know i wasn't drinking i wasn't smoking i wasn't doing drugs and, and i did do some of that stuff but i think it it 
one point it just wasn't for me and it's just something I didn't enjoy. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way I felt. I didn't like the taste. Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember, you know, you know, like a mixed drink or something. I'd be like, you know, God, I'd just rather drink the Coca-Cola. You know, that tastes better. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah and, and, and you know, you meet people that, you know, kind of are the same as you and, and, and it's called straight edge and you just kind of bond through that. And, and yeah, you do kind of come up from that being in the hardcore scene. And, uh, but you know, like I said, for me, it was, it was just growing up and seeing, you know, alcoholism and, and just how it, how it affected people and destroyed families. And, and it just something I just didn't identify with. And, and, feel like I, I did it and tried a bit of things and it just yeah, it just wasn't for me yeah so it was an easy choice to make yeah especially like alcohol man yeah. like well that's i drink here and there you know yeah. i get fucked up every now and again but so so do i i'd say 80 percent of my friends drink and always have i <laughs> yeah. mean you know i've had a lot of straight edge people around me but i've had a lot of people not straight oh, yeah. edge. I mean, it just it just comes with you know the hardcore scene i mean you know all family and, and straight edge doesn't divide us no you know, it's just, you know, hey, look, different you know, lifestyle. We're, we're all here for the same reasons. I just don't drink, smoke, or do drugs. Yeah. Um, like, but it is interesting, though, like the way, you know, alcohol can affect friendships, um, depending on what kind of path that person goes on. Like, I've had a few friends that like, just fucking turn into alcoholics and yeah. they are just nowhere to be seen. They were in hardcore. Now they're, it's like, so what are you like a seventy year old man now? Like he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I got passed out pissing their pants somewhere and it's yeah, it's I really just, sad, which which yeah. that would anybody who can experience that, whether you know it's a friend or your brother or your dad, that would totally turn them away. Was there any any anything you ever seen like in your life that was like, I do not want to be like that person? Or oh, was it Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there you know, people in my family, you know, um, you know, I, I've seen death and I've seen, you know, people just make really bad choices and take a, a bad direction and, it, you know, I've seen friends do it. And, you know, I'm getting to that age now where, you know, yeah, when we're all 18, 19, 20, whatever, you know, everybody's partying and everybody's healthy and they're having fun and everything's, you know, it is what it is. But now we're all getting to an age where now that lifestyle that, you know, was real destructive is kind of catching up on you, you know? So I, I am starting to see friends that are, you know, having a lot of health issues because of just how they treated their bodies and, and, uh, you know, just the life they lived. And, and so it's unfortunate that, you know, you see friends and struggling and with health issues and stuff. And, but yeah, I, I've seen, you know, friends and family die and, from drugs and alcohol, yeah. and you know, it's never easy losing a friend. You know, no, I think I think the saddest part of you know, alcohol and drugs is the addiction. Like to see somebody you know struggling, like yep. they can't stop, and you know what they're doing, you know, whether it's a family or a friend. Like, it's like fuck, man, like, this person's gonna die any day. Just waiting for them to die. Like, I still have some people yep. in my life. Like, so when am I gonna get that phone call? You know, yep. when are they going to die? That's all you're waiting for. So for some people, like, when will that person yeah, die? When just, will they overdose? It's going to happen. Yeah. Or like, mm-hmm. choke on their puke from being too fucking drunk or whatever. Yeah, it's, I, I think, you know, when you just continue being destructive, there's only, you know, only one way it's going to end. You know, yeah. and unfortunately, it everybody's going to have an end, but, you know, it's going to be much quicker for others. But, uh, you know, the other part of it is, too, I some of my 
best friends, you know, they fucking party hard. Man. Oh, yeah. I mean, my boy Thomas and, and Bobby, like, going to Europe with those dudes, I don't even think there was a a single hour they were they were you know, sober. But, I mean, they're fun as hell to right. hang with, you know. So, yeah, yeah I, you know, I have no hate for any of that stuff. But, it, you know, again, it's it's, you know, when you see it affecting their lives and their jobs and their families mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the fortunate part is most people I have around me, you know, they're able to manage their life and, for sure. and party and still have fun and it not affect them in a negative way. So Yeah, yeah. It's just like a darker like road like to talk about. Like the people who used to have fun and party with and, you know, now yeah, you know, like so they can't wake up without having to drink a half a oh, pint yeah, of some man. fucking whiskey or something. But no doubt about it, you know, like when I lived in Iowa, you know, I had roommates that just were huge fucking burdens on me because, you know, they're spending all their money on drugs and alcohol and it's like they're not paying rent you know and they're just fucking up and and you know you just see them you know they get their their paycheck and they're just running right over the liquor store and you know doing coke and yeah. smoking weed and you know that nothing wrong with that but when it's like you're spending your fucking rent money on drugs. Yeah. Know, like that's that. when the problem. I don't, yeah, I don't care. Recognizing that yeah. it's hard for a lot of people, even at that age too, you know, cause I was doing the same stupid shit, 18, 19, 20, spending all my money on drugs and booze. I'm not yeah. going to lie, man. Everything, every fucking dime. But, uh, it's, yeah, but it's, it's just it's, grow up yeah, eventually. That's you the, hope to grow up. Yeah. It's, that's the thing. You, yeah. you kind of hit a point where you're like, okay, you know, either reality hits you, you know, like you got a kid on the way or, you know, you, you, you find a good job or you fuck parents kick you out or, or something happens where you just say, OK, you know what? I'm not going to maybe stop, but I'm going to I need to kind of turn some things around and you know make a better future for myself, because ultimately that, you know, that's where you need to be. I mean, again, yeah. you can still do all that stuff and, you know, yeah. nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if you got responsibility, you have to take care of that stuff first. Yeah. Well, you know, it's weird. I had this conversation with somebody else. Um, it'll be released after you, though, so it's fine. Uh, do you remember Danny Albright? Yes. Yeah. Yep. That. Danny, really great kid. Uh, in fact, we had a t-shirt, a tyrant t-shirt with a tank on the front. And uh, I remember him telling me, I'm getting that tattooed on my throat. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, whatever, man. And he's like, no, I'm fucking serious, man. I'm getting that thing tattooed on my throat. And I'm like, all right. And, and I remember he, he was a little baby. Yeah, he's a you know, young kid. I gosh, he probably was only sixteen, fifteen, yeah. sixteen. But uh I, I remember he died when he was but nineteen, yeah. eighteen or nineteen. So I, yeah. I remember him being serious about it, like send me the artwork. You know, mm -hmm. and, and the guy that drew it up was from like the Netherlands or something. And it was like this this real, you know, great artist that had, had done stuff for like Slayer and Metallica and stuff. And he drew this um T shirt for Tyrant and uh yeah, he was he was all about it. He's like, yeah, I'm getting that tattooed on my throat. And I remember we were all just like, yeah, whatever, man. He never did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely remember Danny. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was going, it was just like sad how he was fucking hardcore straight edge for the long, you know, as long as I knew him pretty much. And then, you know, some sort of influences or like changed his mind or decisions. And it was just a fucking Viral, like it was like six months, man. Like yeah. six months later, he started drinking, smoking weed, which is fine. People make you know decisions at yeah. different ages, but he already had addiction, like in his family. Like he had some yeah. family members, two family members had already passed away, oh, and that yeah. was like one of his big influences for being straight edge. You know, his brother and his mother. 
But, yeah, um, that's, so that's it, unfortunate, man. It was, because like, he was such a good kid, and I used to hang out with him all the time. He was fucking straight edge. But then, so once he sold out, or you know whatever you want to call it, it's like, he's went so hard. And so many people were so down with that idea. Yeah. They were just like feeding him, feeding him, feeding him. And yeah, it and was, I, fuck, it, fuck, it's not the, good. He ultimately part, died, man. Yeah, the part that sucks about it is like, you know, whether you're you're going through some shit, depression, or you just got some mental health issues, you know, it, drugs and alcohol they're depressants. So it's just going to take mm-hmm. everything you have and just make it all worse for you. And and it just, I get it why people turn to to stuff mm-hmm. because you know it, it it's sometimes there's things you just can't deal with. But uh, you know, hopefully, you know, most people have a good friend around or you know some some sort of positive positivity to kind of keep you on a good path but yeah i can see that downward spiral or they just unravel and it's just it sometimes doesn't stop and then yeah mm-hmm. bad shit happens yeah. you know actually the last time i seen him was that fucking earth crisis and tyrant show we had talked about um yeah. i rode with him to that show and uh that was the last time i seen him because that was in march and he died in april yeah. and that's like Fuck it, because we rode to the show, we rode back, you yeah. know, whatever, and then fucking passed away. And rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Danny Albright. But it was like, it was like after he died, I don't know, man, it affected me really, really bad because yeah. we're good friends. Yeah, and you know the shit's real. Like for sure, it happens. yeah, it fucking happens. Yeah. That was the big, big wake up call for the way I was living my life at the time was him passing away, and I was living with my uh, with my girlfriend, she's not my wife, and she had. Her her baby was like eight months old at the time, uh, which is my not my biological son. I call him my son. He's thirteen now, yeah. you know, dad's son, whatever. But um, she was like, friend just died, and I was just going down a worse path. I was getting fucked up even more and more and more. And then there was like an ultimatum, basically, at the end of this story. It's either you clean up your shit, you know, just a little bit, stop doing the hard drugs, yeah. and just fucking move on. But it was. It was a wake-up call for sure with Danny. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's, for sure. Don't yeah. do drugs, kids. You don't stay in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, school fucking sucks, though, right now, especially. Yeah. <laughs> but kids... Well, my daughter just started going back to school like two weeks ago, or last week. She goes uh, four days a week, man. Yeah, I don't have kids, man. I got two dogs, and they, they drive me fucking crazy. Yo. They're the coolest, <laughs> coolest dudes out there. But... What kind of dogs do you have? So I got a Boston Terriers and his Maximus. He's a year and a half old, so he, he's just a little jerk. <laughs> and then uh, my wife, uh, her dog um, is a uh, beagle. His name is Biscuit, and and he's just a howling, just, he's older. But uh, I don't know if you've ever had a beagle, man. They just fucking howl. They don't ever stop. And neighbors with the um, beagle. The dog walks by, he howls, and it's like loud and embarrassing if you're out walking them. But yeah, they're cool. I, you know, they're buddies. But, uh, I got some fucked up dogs, man. Yeah, man, your dog's cool as fuck, though. <laughs> yeah, got a pit bull, honey. She's look, a little girl. Looks like a dog that cold as life dudes would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my big fucking stupid dog. I don't, I don't take pictures of him. He's not worth it. No, play. No, he's a uh, he's pit bull with a with German pointer and a border collie, all mixed up, and he. Is clearly all those three dogs, man. Yeah, he's got like, he has like the German pointer spots. He puts his arm up when he sees something. That's awesome. And then he's like the pit bull, like right like above his eyes, like his ears, and fucking border collar, border collie body. Yeah, that's, that's hard cool, to say. Man. Yeah, yeah. I used to have this um, 
he's a I mean, everybody just thought he was a pit bull, but it, it was a uh, American Staffordshire Terrier. But she was huge. She was like close to 100 pounds. Her name was Brooklyn. And uh, I remember uh, the dudes in Cold's Life stayed with me um, at, at my place in Iowa because we did some shows with them. And I remember they just, they were like, can we take your dog home? Like, your dog is awesome. And I, I remember thinking, like, they had some big, huge, beautiful pits, you know, and I said, you got to be great to breed one of their dogs with my female. But, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember they were just all about her and wanting to take her home. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, can I have your dog? Yeah. What? <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. No, that's cool. But, yeah, I mean, anything else? I mean, we got, yeah, cool. As long as you mentioned you wanted to, yep. dude, that's You know, it was going to be Dave uh, Hayes and his brother, Matt. So I, I knew Dave real well. You know, we grew up, went to the same high school and everything. So, but I didn't know his brother real well. But um, it was going to be a straight edge band. Dave had the name Tyrant. Um, and uh, so that's kind of how it was pitched to me. But at the time, Matt was still in the military. So, you know, it was like, well, let's, you know, write some music, get get the music going. And once he gets out of the military, you know, we'll, we'll, get to it man put put you know lyrics to vocals and so yeah we just spent probably a good six months or so writing and uh and then um matt eventually did get out of the military and uh you know being in afghanistan and baghdad and all these areas i mean if you wrote or i'm sorry if you read his lyrics they're fucking dark man yeah so it'll scare you it really paints a picture oh yeah you know, but the, uh, the struggles of the I remember reading them and just being something. like, fuck, <laughs> hell yeah, man. And uh, so, yeah, we, we couldn't wait. So it was just like as soon as he got back, we just started practicing with him. Um, and and it was like within a few months, we were like, let's let's do a demo. Let's get some music recorded. So so we recorded four songs, and that, uh, that was the demo we put out. And... Um, you know, from there, it was kind of like, all right, let's play some shows. Let's get, you know, some buzz going. And uh, and we did, man. It, it seemed like we came out, you know, hard and fast and yeah, played well, some shows. And the demo was making some noise. And, uh, and, and that ultimately would be like, okay, well, you know, we got enough material to, to do a full length. And, uh, you know, let's start shopping around, try to find someone to put it out. And at the time, it was... Um, there was a clothing company called Seventh Dagger, and it was a straight edge clothing company. And and I remember I'd go on the the website, and there was a message board that a lot of people would go on and just talk shit and whatever. And uh, it was cool the um the message board icons when you hovered your mouse over it, it mm-hmm. would sound like a uh, you know like a fully automatic you know machine gun going off like firing rounds. It's yeah. super cool. So you just sit there and keep going over the icons and it just kept sounding like a machine gun going off it was the coolest thing ever but he had i, I think he had posted something or, or something where he was he had already put out a couple records um but his name was danny sober so he i think he he, he was looking at starting like an all straight edge record label because he had put out a few records and and you know so he was looking to rebrand to like a strict straight edge record label only. And, and I remember just 
hitting them up and being like, hey, man, we got this demo, you know, I can send you, you know, we're kind of looking for a label. And, and so he hit me back pretty quick, like, hey, man, I love it. Your band, I, you know, I'm into it. This is going to fit perfect with what I, I want to do. It was kind of like a militant straight edge label. And uh, so that was it. He was like, I want to put out your record. And, and so, yeah, we went in and recorded Welcome to Hell. Um, gosh, it was two th- I think it was 2005 when it was released. But but the thing with the, that time frame was, you know, Dave had just had a kid. You know, he was working a lot. He wasn't coming to practice. You know, so him and Matt really weren't, you know, doing the double singer thing. Um, I think at one point he just told us like, look, I can't really do this band anymore, you know, and just kind of did decide to leave the band. So it was just Matt for a while, Matt, you know, singing, um, you know, we did quite a few shows with him only. And, uh, so on that record, that's why you only hear Matt singing. Dave, Dave was not on that record. Um, and he would rejoin the band later on when things kind of cooled down for him. But, uh, but yeah. Still one of the fucking hardest records to this day, I think. Um, you know, just so you know, it's uh, since out of Detroit, you know, there's something about Detroit hardcore and the heavy, heavy shit that you know, like this is fucking gritty, and then and the lyrics and the guitar, which is all come from the same sort of like, yeah, it's like a DNA, you know, yeah. everybody shares the same, you know, style. Um, so, so like, like. A New York band. Yep. You, know, you know what a fucking New York hardcore band oh, is, yeah. and you know what a Detroit hardcore band is. So, <clears throat> the first time, I don't even remember the first time I seen Tyrant, but I couldn't tell you what show it was, but I know the first time I see him, like, it was fucking intimidating, because I was still you know, like 17, 18 years old, and yeah. you know, I've been to a few heavy shows in Detroit at the time, but... There's nothing like when you got two fucking tattooed singers, you know, shirts off, everybody's yeah. mean as fuck, and yep. then, you know, all their boys, yep. you know, are out just throwing, you know, just acting crazy in the crowd, and, you know, when I'm that young, and you see a bunch of grown-ass fucking men, yep. well, that's that, pretty intimidating. That's the thing, too, it's like, you know, so you got Dave and Matt, they're just fucking maniacs, you know, and it, I don't know, any brothers harder than them, um except for the, the brothers from the movie Slapshot. That's probably it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and then you got all our friends and boys and, and, and everybody just trying to just make these shows as crazy as possible. So you got, like, you know, Zach from Flint, you know, Chris Zummerfeld, like those dudes would just get people fucking wound up and, and you know, throwing tables and chairs and and just getting fucking wild, man. It was, it, it was crazy, but... You know, it, it was cool, but it, it did keep us from playing a lot of stuff. You know, there were a lot of, you know, a lot of venues and, and, and people that were booking shows that were just like, nah, so you know, we heard you guys of... fuck shit up. And so, yeah, it did kind of hurt us a bit, you know, but um, no doubt about it, man. The shows were always crazy. Yeah. I mean, notably, there's, there's, you know, several shows I can think back to where, you know, a show in Toledo, a dude got his fucking ear ripped off mm-hmm. and the fight broke out. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it was most people, you know, were, you know, having fun. We didn't see too many people, you know, pissed off. It was, it was all in good fun. But, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I This was back when I was still playing guitar. Um, I was hanging out with this girl and she was like, 
you know, what do you got going on tonight? And I said, oh, my band's playing. And she's like, oh, I want to go, you know. And, and and I remember thinking, like, no, nah, you you don't want to go. It's This isn't your thing. Like, you're not into this type of music. And she's like, oh, no, it'd be cool, you know. And, I, and I'm just thinking, I know how our shows get. And I'm thinking, you know, no, she wanted to go. So I was like, all right. So mm. I, get, I gave her kind of the talk. Like, look, you know, some crazy shit might happen. Stay out of the way. Just kind of stand in the back, you know. And, and, and I remember we, we got there, and it was at a small VFW in Royal Oak. And I remember just shit went crazy. Like, mm. again, Chris Zammerfeld and Zach just fucking just tearing the place apart. Shit getting torn off walls and people getting thrown through doors. And oh, yeah. it just and, and I remember after the show, she was like, what the fuck was that? Like. I'm never going to this shit again. Like, and I remember just being like, well, I tried to warn you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was always just insane, which, you know, I appreciate that part apart. Just the fucking chaos, like things being torn off, off and just thrown in the crowd and people, you know, fights breaking out, the band didn't stop playing. You know, it's just really what a tyrant show is. And if you see them on a flyer or, you know, whatever, like, you're like, Oh, it's fucking going down tonight. And, yep. and uh, you know, but so one of the other favorite things about a tyrant show was uh, the murder ball, you know, when yep. uh, when Dave or Matt would throw out the ball and, you know, whoever ended up with it at the end of the song yeah, gets a free, free article of merchandise. Yeah, um, that was cool. It, it's funny how that actually started was, uh, so um, this is back when I was in King of Clubs and we had played a show in Wisconsin. It was a big fest. And a bunch of good bands played. Modern Life is War played. Two Pure to Die. I mean, just a bunch of greatness. Midwest bands and uh, some Chicago bands and everything. And I don't know what started it, but we we just had like a football in our in our merch bin. And I don't know if we just had it because we were throwing it around, like you know, whatever. And it's, I'm not sure who came up with the idea of it, but we we're like, let's throw it into the crowd and just say, hey, you know, whoever ends up with it gets a free T-shirt. And, and I remember just being insane, just crazy pile-ons and people just going fucking nuts. And that was the only time we did it. And so, you know, I can't remember what show it was at, but I remember telling the guys like, hey, we should we should do this. My other band did it. And it was fucking crazy. And I just, I, I don't even think it was a football. We had like a baseball or something. And I remember we just kind of came out there and, and just, you know, hey, whoever ends up with it gets a free shirt. And and that was it. From that day on, it just became like our thing. You yeah. Know, murder ball. Jesus Christ. I mean, we went through so many damn footballs. We never, ever got them back. I don't know. <laughs> we always, you know, the kid always got the, the shirt, you know, but. I mean, there was some crazy shit that went on with that. But, I mean, a lot of people have seen that uh, the video from that show in Cincinnati, the one where, you know, we're playing in a wrestling ring and Dave jumps off the stage and <laughs> jumps like on a, a pile of like kids. Like a frog dive, yeah. like, like a wrestler, like fucking Eddie Guerrero or something. That, that <laughs> show is so right awesome. On top. And, and, and the thing is, is you get all these, like, you know, PC hardcore kids are all like, oh, I keep violence out of hardcore. And it, but, uh. you know, if you watch the video, everybody there is having a fucking blast yeah i mean it looks like people are getting their asses handed to them but it's all in good fun (laughs) dude those ohio dudes it's always a it's always a forearm you never see a fist really it's always a forearm or but i mean everybody had a smile on their face you know it it, it was a good time and and those ohio dudes man they they just fed off that shit so it's like the crazier the show got the crazier the kids would get and so you know that that video is just 
a classic of just, you know, everybody having fun, murder ball. Yeah. Um, we had a few few times where it got a little out of hand. There was it was uh first time we played New England Metal Fest. Um some dude again got his ear ripped off, and I don't know what it is with ears. There's like this thing. There's people, you know. It's the second yeah. time, but I remember this dude comes up with it. And he's fucking bleeding, and his ears hanging off, and he's like, "Yeah," you know, all pumped. Fuck yeah, you know. And ended up having to go to the hospital to get his ear attached. But you know, it was it was just yeah, it was just crazy. But people loved it, man. It was like. I, I remember we were in Japan and the kid that came up with his fucking mouth's all bloody oh, and he's shit. just got this crazy look on his face like he just accomplished, you know, hiking Mount Everest or something, <laughs> man. And yeah, and yeah it, was, it was cool. Fuck. Um, you know, so with all the uh, destruction and damage that happened at shows, has anybody ever, has there been lawsuits ever with all the chaos or anything brought to you guys at all or they never, just you know there's no happens like never. insurance is paid for it or whatever who gives a fuck not that i know of man <laughs> I, I mean i've i've you know i've had people message me you know and be like yeah i was at this show and your singer or someone threw something and it fucked me up pretty bad and yeah. i had to go to the hospital you know but they were just like ah well you know it is what it yeah. is i was standing in the wrong spot or whatever but you pay the money it's your fault but i i you know i remember yeah there's there's a few people they got hurt pretty bad you know a few times but it, it, it just seemed like they they kind of knew what they're in for and you know and if you you know if you don't know you know those are the people who normally start the fights yeah. are the ones who don't know what's happening yeah because they're kind of like what the fuck yeah you know? and, and so in that you get those guys at shows and, and of course that's swarmed by fucking 25 people yeah like, and you got you know <laughs> They're like the metal bully, you know, coming yeah. into like, oh, I'm going to teach these kids what's up, you know. Exactly. And Dave always liked to handle those guys. Mm, yeah, I he, know. He fed off those. <laughs> I he was just like, oh, okay. I fucking love The that. metal bully. I'm going to teach this guy a lesson. <laughs> yeah. And it just actually popped in my head. I remember one time, when you said you used to have that football, one time there was a hard baseball. I don't know yeah. why, but, you know, when when the... When the beat drops, you know, Dave just fucking whipped it, like, into the crowd. Yeah. And I, I was positive it hit somebody because, you know, everybody just, you know, piled onto the ball. But right. Was, someone got smoked. I think that was at the Modern Exchange, to yeah. be honest. I don't yeah. know. I think it was, but. Yeah, I, it, I I feel like, like I said, sometimes we'd have a football. Sometimes we'd be like, fuck, we forgot to get a football or, or we lost it or whatever. And yeah. we'd just find whatever we could find it's that was round. And Here it comes. We, we did play a show one time. Um in uh it was in ohio might have been cincinnati too again you know cincinnati was always crazy playing there but it was in a fucking batting cage it was like a sports complex or something Mm. and and it was with suffocate faster played death star played i mean so here's these hard round balls just sitting all around and it just got insane and people playing dodgeball with these fucking hard balls (laughs) and i remember at some point, someone was collecting them all up and trying to get rid of them, you know, so because people were getting fucking I could just smashed with them. The fucking ca- no, that's fun. Yeah. I don't care what you say, man. But that's but fucking fun. Getting hit in the head with a hard ball—that's different than like a football. But yeah, I remember they—they yeah. they were there, and then all of a sudden, someone must have started collecting like, no, them all. No, up. no, like, no, yeah, we're not right? doing this, yep. man. You know, yeah. When the, when there's forty balls, you know, and yeah. nobody's safe. Like you sort of to be like engaged oh, yeah. in what's happening. Yep. But if everybody has a ball, then everybody's getting hurt. Yep. Fuck it. 
You're at a tyrant show. <laughs> yeah, that's just what happens. Good times. So, and, you know, amongst all the chaos, you guys got pretty damn big. You know, you were known. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't you know. say big, but it, it was more like, you know, people knew who we were. Yeah. You know, well, a lot of people just were like, oh, fuck that band. They're this and that. They're the militant straight edge mm-hmm. or they're, you know. And so there were a lot of people didn't like us, um, you know. But they knew who we were. You know, we made a pretty good buzz, man. I, I think it was, you know, apparent to me when we started getting calls like, hey, you know, you should you should tour and you should, you know, go on tour. There's a, you know, this band wants to tour with you guys. And we get asked to play big fests. And, you know, the probably one of the, the best shows we ever played was uh, was um, the it, – it ended up being a, a – kind of a fest i guess but is earth crisis uh their reunion show in baltimore mm. and we got asked to do that and it was just just such an amazing show so many great bands played and uh but i, I remember thinking like you know yeah we're, we're making a pretty good noise you know that's a record had been out for a while and you know it was uh so we went through you know a couple transitions so when we put out welcome to hell um so Danny put that record out and then he, he had, you know, Hey, you know, we, we started talking about, you know, putting out a new record and we were writing some new songs and things always were, were slow. You know, we, we just couldn't really pump out music real fast. We were all real busy and stuff. And, you know, some guys had kids and jobs and that, but uh, we started working on, you know, material for a new record and, and at one point, you know, we're at practice and Matt was just like, you know, look, I'm not feeling tiring anymore. I don't want to do it, you know. And, and it was like right at our like our peak, you know. And, and and I remember just, you know, grasping in any way to keep the band going. And, you know, I just said, well, you know, what, what, you know, what aren't you, uh, what aren't you about? Like, why do you want to quit? And he's just like, ah, I just don't want to sing anymore. I'm not into it. And, you know. Matt's a fucking great guitar player. I mean, way better than me. So I was just like, well, hey, man, you know, what about, you know, what about playing guitar? You know, and, and he was like, you know, that might be cool. And because I was like, man, I'd, I'd probably, you know, rather sing than play guitar. And so, yeah, we just switched, uh, you know, to Matt playing guitar and Dave uh, and me singing. And but But it wasn't until then that, you know, me and Dave kind of sat down and took it serious about splitting the vocals up, you know, making sure he has his parts, I had my parts, because before that, it was just like Matt kind of sung everything, and Dave would just kind of come in and, and do some backup parts. He's a hype man. Yeah, oh yeah, man. I mean, because that's the thing. Dave, you know, you know, let's face it, you know, he is the face of, uh, of Tyrant, so. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, he'd get the crowd fucking going, talking shit. I mean, Dave's good with words, man. So, you know, he'd just get people all pumped up and, you know, get people all riled up and energized. And so, yeah, it was a thing where, you know, up till then, he really didn't have, like, his set vocals, you know. So me and him sat down, and I was like, look, you know, if we're going to do this two-singer thing, we need to, you know, we need to break up the, the lyrics. So, you know, you have your parts, I have mine. And uh, so it, it worked out actually pretty good, man, because, you know, Matt was happy playing guitar. You know, it seemed to work out pretty well with me and Dave singing. Um, but, uh, you know, that would, you know, take us into writing some new material and 
playing some more shows and and but uh at, at some point we just started losing members again and we lost i think matt did eventually be like you know what i'm just i'm done i don't want to do this anymore so we, we we had lost two guitar players um i think our drummer was moving to hawaii or something so we we lost half the band so we pretty much were just looking to call it quits and and Danny had called me and he said, you know, look, um, I know you guys are, are, are kind of, you know, looking to split up, but he was like, why don't you just put a new record out? Just, you know, even though you're, you're, you're not a, a full band right now, just maybe just finish writing the record and, you know, I'll put it out and it is what it is, you know? And so me and the drummer, um, we got a new drummer, um, same as Joe. So he, uh, me and him just crunch time, man. We wrote, you know, probably another five or six songs um, to, to, you know, complete a full length and uh, went in and recorded Prepare for Devastation, and um, which was a very non-enjoyable experience because being a, you know, in a hardcore band, you, you go in and you record quick. Everybody knocks out their stuff, you know, and you're thinking, yeah, we're, we're going to record everything within a week or so, and, and but we... we we decided to record with this dude that just, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. Like we're Metallica or something. And, and, and there was so much wait time, you know, he would record a couple songs and then he'd be editing shit for just weeks on end until we could get back in. And it just took forever. And, and it again was one of those things where, you know, at the time Dave had another kid, you know, we weren't really practicing that much. And so, you know, we, uh, you know, we went in and, and, you know, recorded vocals and Dave, you know, we just, he, he just did some backing tracks. Cause you know, again, he just didn't really have time to practice and was working and had the two kids. And so, but, um, around, so around the time that we're recording, we get a call from, uh, from Danny again. And he's like, Hey man, uh, you guys are getting asked to play New England Metal Fest. And, and we were like, fuck, you know, so this is like 2008 or so. And we're like, we can't turn that down, you know? And, and, and so that's when we decided like, okay, we need to, we need to kind of gear up, you know, get, get some new members. And so we brought on, um, Terry and, uh, Chris Zemmerfeld and, uh, our drummer, Joe. So we're done with the record. It's all recorded. He tells us, yeah, I'm, you know, looking to get into, you know, doing uh, Border Patrol. And I filled out the application, you know, so I'm going to eventually be moving. And we're like, well, you know, how long is this going to take? And I remember him being like, oh, it's going to take, se you know, several months. You know, it takes forever for those things to get. Yeah, interviews done. and yeah, shit like for that. Sure. Talk yep. to everybody, fucking yep. neighbors. And, yeah. So so here we got, you know, we got a full band lined up, everything. And, and, and we're ready to go on tour. We got a week before we leave to go tour to uh new england metal fest joe calls me and he's like oh i got some bad news so i'm moving to san diego next week and i was like what the fuck and he's like yeah man my application went through they want me there next week you know and i'm like dude we're supposed to fucking tour next week fuck. and he's like i can't do it so so we just basically scrambled to just find a fill-in drummer um and uh Thankfully, Robbie from Let It Die, he uh, he was like, yeah, man, I'm down. I can learn the songs. You know, I'll be ready to go. And, you know, I think he learned the songs, you know, a couple days, which not hard, but 
yeah, so we, uh, yeah, we scrambled, practiced a bunch, you know, a good straight week, and yeah, went on tour, and uh, Robbie filled in drums, so he, he saved our ass. Fuck. Yeah. What year was that uh, New England Metal Fest you guys played? So we played it twice. Um, I think 2008 was uh, the first time we played it, and then we did play it again a couple of years later, but I, I can't remember if it's two years later or three years, but yeah. But, yeah, um, there's a couple of videos of that on YouTube. Yep. You're one of the, <clears throat> I think, yeah, you were, you were singing at the time. Yeah, so both, Dave. both, uh, both at that time, you know, me and Dave were, were full, you know, fully yeah. time singing. Fuck. But, uh, yeah, that, the record would come out, I think, right after that. So that would have came out like 2008, I think, is when, uh, Prepare for Devastation came out. And, uh, and yeah, you know, it, it was, Again, a, a a record that just gave us more opportunity, you know, more shows. You know, it just it seemed like you know we're just doing more and more yeah. and get more opportunity and and, and but uh, but from that would bring um, Danny from Seventh Dagger. Um, you know, he he's kind of talking about well, I'm not sure I'm going to keep my record label going, and so you know, it, it was kind of a you know, what do we do? You know, and, and Chris is in the band. So, you know, Chris started taking over some of the, the duties, you know, booking shows and some of the band business. So he, he said, well, you know, let me talk to some people, you know, let's see what we can pull together. And uh, so he ended up talking to John from uh, Eulogy Records and uh, John was all about it. He's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm down. Let's, let's, you know, let's do something. And uh, the record hadn't been out that long. So, Gosh, it only been out maybe like eight months, you know, six months, something like that. And so, you know, he decided instead of just starting fresh with a new record, he was going to repress Prepare for Devastation. So he bought the rights from Danny and repressed it uh, as a eulogy record. So so that's that's kind of where our, our start with eulogy came from was, uh, you know, he, he repressed that and... Um, and then, you know, eventually we'd go on to, you know, putting one more record out with Eulogy. That was Extinction. That was, uh, gosh, these years all kind of run together. I want to say it was like 2011 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. <clears throat> and the album, uh, Extinction, is that the one that Devil's Night was on? No, Devil's, no, Night, a... Devil's Night was on uh, Prepare, for De- <sighs> Prepare for Devastation, song, yeah. I fucking, um, man, that song's so good. It's, it's a cool you know, song. It's... I always like playing it live because it had just such a good, you know, it's got a good fast part so it gets people, you know, yeah. circle pitting. And then it's got a couple just smashing riff parts that, yeah. Then, especially when you play, you know, Hometown Show. Oh, yeah. That fucking song, you know, because a lot of people know Devil's Night, you know, yep. Night Before Halloween. And Detroit used to get the most notoriety for it because oh, yeah. fucking fires everywhere, like world record fires, you know, yep. every year just seemed to get worse and worse. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I'm not that far from Detroit, but it seemed like a stop at the board. I'm in Lincoln Park, one city over, a mile away. It's just nothing here. Yep. All you get is like eggs and like toilet paper. And then yep. you know, two miles down the road, just fucking burning buildings. Yep. Like, Jesus Lots Christ. Of yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's just like a song that sticks in my head because of Detroit. Yep. How fucking crazy the city is or was. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, 
the cool thing about that record was, uh, and it's funny, you you had posted a flyer on your Instagram, that um, Firestone Fest mm-hmm. show with Earth Crisis. Oh, yeah. Well, I had seen the the flyer early on, and, and Tyrant played that show, but I remember thinking like, gosh, I wonder if I could get Carl to sing on a record, because it was right when we were, you know, recording our record, and so I hit up Danny, and I said, hey, man, you know, could you get me uh, Carl's number, because him and Carl are pretty tight, and so I, 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 don't, I don't remember if... I think Danny was like, you know, look, man, Carl don't have an email. He don't really have a cell phone. Like, you know, I'll try to get a hold of him and I'll have him call you. So, as was this before or after the reunion? Because this is after. Okay, yeah, so this it was, happened already. Yeah, okay. this is after the so reunion. Hiding in the basement somewhere. Yep. <laughs> so, so they were starting to do some tours and playing shows, and but uh, so I get a call from Carl, and and I had, you know, I'd seen him several times at shows in new york that tyrant would play we played a couple edge fests in upstate new york and he'd always be at those shows and, and i remember you know talking quite a bit with him and and he made it pretty clear he's like man i love tyrant you're like one of my favorite straight edge bands right now and so you know we're all looking at carl like you fucking kidding me like <laughs> right. dude you're in earth crisis like mr save the world you're yeah. like the reason we're a band you know so yeah, he he called me and he was like, "Hey man, you know, Danny said you you know you wanted to talk to me." And I was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I saw you're going to be doing that tour and it's coming through Detroit, you know, and I'd like to see about getting you on this this new record, you know, doing some vocals." And he was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm all about it." And he was like, "You know, is there a song, you know, is there lyrics?" And I said, "Well, there there's the music. I'll send it to you." But I said, "You know, look, you know, have at it, right?" You know, your part, you can, you know, right now it's kind of just open-ended. So he was like, I want to write the lyrics for it. So let me write the lyrics. You know, I'll do the whole song. You know, I got some good ideas. And so, yeah, it was it's funny because, you know, again, he's on tour. He doesn't have a cell phone. So I'm just like, okay, we're going to meet up at the show and go to the studio. And, and, and so you were hoping that he gets there early, you know, so... Well, they don't end up showing up till later, you know, because I don't know if the weather was bad or whatever. So, so me and Carl rush over to the studio. The the, the guy that's recording us is throwing a fit because it it had been like two three hours late. And Carl goes in there, dude. And when I talk professionalism, this dude is like a studio fucking god, man. He just went in there. I mean. Just boom, knocked his shit out so quick, sounded amazing, and, and it just, it was awesome, man. It was really cool to have him. But not only that, he wrote all the lyrics for that song, so it was the the, oh, the entire song? Yeah, oh, the shit. whole song. Hell yeah. Well, and that's the song's an honor. Called, you know? Yep, and he, and he named the song Over the Influence, so. <laughs> and uh, it, it was one best. of one of our favorite songs to play live, you know, and but uh, yeah, he went in there and knocked all the songs out, but, you know in taking so long we're like trying to get back to the show because tyrant was supposed to open up we ended up having to play later on in the in the night you know just because uh i wasn't back yet and, yeah but yeah that was cool that to was have a fucking him. crazy show man yeah that was a good show, show was nuts shy halud is on there as well i believe oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was a good lineup man yeah fuck i remember that <clears throat> so as time goes on you guys you know you have a new record, and then uh, 
you guys decided to go to uh, Japan. I thought that was cool. Were you guys invited there, or did you just say, hey, we just want to go to Japan just to see Japan and hopefully book a show? Yeah, so, you know, it's funny. that The entire time we were a band, we just assumed we couldn't get out of the country. You know, there's a couple guys that had problems getting into Canada, and so we just kind of knew that, well, you know, we just can't play out of the state. You know, and so uh, I, I I can't remember what happened, but it, you know, at some point we realized like, oh fuck, we can get passports. Everybody can get out of the country, and so I think you know, Chris at the time was kind of doing more of the the booking of the shows, and so I don't know if he, I think he hooked up with somebody from Japan, and that you know, the booking agent was just like, you know, I love your band, I'd love to bring you guys here, and that just kind of sparked some conversation going and and it just you know turned into a reality man so yeah it was it was great going to japan i mean that was our first other than a couple canadian things that was our first you know out of the country tour because we we had done some tours and but it was all mostly u.s stuff and a couple canada things but um yeah japan was awesome man it was like a a once in a lifetime thing as a band, you know, to, to go and play there. And, and the shows were awesome. Yeah. I remember seeing pictures of it. And, you know, what I thought, I was fucking jealous because I've heard about the Suicide Forest before there. And, uh, you know, I've seen pictures of it. You see crazy shit on the internet. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's a dark, dark, scary place. And then I've seen, I don't know who posted the photos, but i seen you guys that all went there, which I thought that was one of the perfect spots for a band like years ago tyrant and go do like a you know just to see it yeah it was cool so you know i, I want to say it was chris you know again he was just like if we go to japan we have to go to the suicide forest and, and i had heard about it before but uh you know he said watch this documentary and so i watched the documentary on it i was like fuck this is some evil shit we need to go there for sure so when we were there you know the, the so the booking agent he didn't really speak good english uh, really, he didn't speak any English, actually. Um, but I remember we were like, you know, we want to go to Suicide Forest. And he was like, no. And he said, it's taboo for Japanese people to, you know, to go there. And it's just not a place that, you know, y- you don't go there as like a tourist, you know. And, and he didn't think it was a good idea. And Chris was like dead set on like no we are going to suicide forest if there's anything we're doing that's the only thing we want to do you're taking us and eventually you know i think he was trying to you know avoid taking us but yeah we just rode him enough to like where he caved and uh did eventually take us but uh it was cool man it was you know definitely not how it how it you know current day you know isn't how it used to be um but uh, it's it's an eerie place, man. The woods are, are so thick. Like you walk twenty feet into the woods, you're lost, man. It's it's cool. But I, I remember pulling up, and there's a guy, you know, that kind of rushed over to us, and and uh, him and you know our booking agent are, are kind of talking, and and the guy makes like a hand gesture, like you know, you're like hanging yourself with his tongue out, you know, and, and our booking agent's like, no, 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 you know. And so we we kind of. You know, hey, what's going on? And he goes, oh, he thinks that we're all coming here to commit suicide, and he's a counselor, and he's trying to talk us down. And you know, he's a guy to just tell him that no, these are Americans. They want to just like you know, kind of walk around and just check this place out. But 
it's it's really neat because they're not neat, but you know they got all these like counselors and you know what would be like one eight hundred numbers here. Um, you know, trying to be like you know to help people. Uh, you know, because they're not going to stop you from doing it, but uh, you know they want to try to counsel counsel yeah. you from changing your mind. It's but, the last chance you before yeah. you. <clears throat> But it was, the it was eerie, man. There were spots where we saw, like, you could tell someone was camping out, and there was, like, stuff left behind. Mm. Like, we found a tent and some clothes wow. and, like, a almost like a cell phone charger. And just it just made you think, like, I wonder if, you know, this is a person that had committed suicide and they just left their stuff behind. Yeah. I actually had a question for you about the Japan shows. Yeah. So was it a lot of like Japanese kids or was there a lot more like expats and like things like that? Like uh, kids from Europe that have like immigrated to yeah. Japan and things like that. Yeah. There were, so they're mostly Japanese. Mostly Japanese. But um, there That's were. Cool, it, it, yeah. It was cool, man. Um, the language barrier was tough because I, I think before we went there, you know, they, a, a lot of people said, well, you know, a lot of Japanese do know English, mm-hmm. but they don't. They, if they learned it, they probably haven't used it. And so it was our mistake not learning enough to like be at a, at least find food. You know, it, <laughs> there was a couple times we were just like, you know, we have no idea here. what we're doing. There's yeah. no internet service. So we can't like, you know, do like a translator or something. But, but uh, yeah, there was some, some, you know, people from America and Europe there, you know, and that was like our perfect opportunity to be like, asking questions you know hey where's this what do we do for that and all that and and kind of give us some guidance when we're there because again our booking agent didn't speak english and we'd have to use translators and stuff but um yeah that was my big question was like with the the, uh with the language barrier and everything like that how did the the kids like really like kind of um kind of like um i guess accept would be the right word like how did they like uh receive you guys into yeah, like the japanese culture because i understand, totally like, normal man yeah. it, to be honest they they listen to a lot of american hardcore mm-hmm. and european hardcore so you know they knew all the lyrics you know they cool. they sang along to That's a lot really of the songs cool. and all you have to know is i kill for yeah man edge. and that was made the, for fucking war yep, and that was the big closer <laughs> and yeah. uh but yeah it was it didn't seem like the shows were any different than playing anywhere else but uh there there is a huge difference with um now the bands that we played with the japanese bands when when the singer is talking in between songs it's dead quiet yes dead is, quiet uh as a japanese wrestling fan like yeah. that is the craziest thing to watch mm-hmm. like before covid and everything like that you would watch these wrestling shows and everybody is quiet and respectful yeah. Yeah. and then as soon as like a move happens you just hear oh they're good they're yeah good. but it, it was <laughs> like crazy you know, when the singer would talk, it, it was like all attention on the singer. Nobody talked. Nobody made noises. Everybody paid attention. And so that was the the big difference I saw between like, you know, American hardcore shows. It's like, you know, if the singer's talking, there's still a lot of background noise and people talking mm-hmm. and yelling and whatever. But uh, yeah, it was it was cool, man. I it, it, You know, it's funny. Um there were a few real memorable moments uh, in Japan. I mean, you know, we did a lot of fun, crazy shit. And uh, there was one time we're walking downtown and, and we saw this sign and it had a bunch of like half naked women. And we're just standing there looking at it, wondering what it is. Is it like a, you know, a brothel or something or, you know, and we hear this guy yell out, don't go in there. 
and we look over and it's this American guy. He's like, hey, you know, if I were you, I wouldn't go in there. You'll get, you know, some, some crazy diseases there, you know. <laughs> and uh, we were like, no, man, we're just trying to, you know, find food and yeah. this and that. And he's like, okay. He's like, and, and you know, he ended up being an American that, that was living there. So he, he was kind of telling us places to go to, places to eat. But um, but I remember that being funny. Just this voice like, "Don't go in there." That's <laughs> just a white dude. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck, bro? Don't touch that. Trust right. me, it's not going <laughs> to sure. end well. Yeah. You know, one thing that actually just popped in my head too. I know in Japan, uh, you know, people being covered in tattoos normally yeah. associated with the uh, yakuza or like yep. gangsters, uh, disrespectful. Yeah. Or you know, I don't, I don't know, but I know they sort of. Um, you know, kind of looked down on tattoos. Yeah. Uh, was yeah. that received anyway? It or was, yeah. yeah. You know, our band, everybody in our band were pretty heavily tattooed. And then you got Dave, he's got tattoos on his face. So oh, he, yeah. he was a, you know, a big spectacle everywhere we went in public. <laughs> you know, the That's young people good. are all about, you know, they, they they have no issues with tattoos. A different cult. Yeah. yeah the, it's the older people. They, mm-hmm. they just seem to be, you know, that's more, again, taboo to them having tattoos and associating it with that. But yeah, man, everywhere we went, the young kids were all wanting to take pictures with us. They didn't know who we were, you know, like in public, you know, and they just, because there's a bunch of Americans with tattoos, they just would want pictures. And But of course, Dave, you know, they see Dave and they're just like, oh. what up, man? Yeah. So that, it was pretty interesting, but, um, but yeah, you know, I think we were, we were talking about, um, going places and they'd be like, oh, no, you guys can't go there because you're, you're covered in tattoos and they won't let you in. I think even like, what is it, like Disney World there or something, they were like, nope, can't go there. They yeah, don't allow anybody with tattoos. Yep. So, but uh, yeah, it was it was cool. I, I, it's funny, you know, we we played a show and this guy comes up to me and he's like, kill everyone. And, and I was like, what? And he's like, you, you play and kill everyone. Oh, no. And I was like, how the fuck do you know who Kill Everyone is? He's like, it's my favorite band. And he showed me his iPod with Kill Everyone. And, you know, oh my that's God. a band I played bass in. And yeah. I'm thinking, like, how it's the fuck? Side yeah, yeah. And, and I remember he was just like, my favorite band, you know. And and it was so funny that, you know, you know, here we are halfway around the world and some, some dude's like, you know, saying his favorite band is a small straight edge yeah. band from, it was like a Windsor Canadian band. Yeah, the Michigan. Band. I remember that. I've been. I've seen it one time. Was it, uh, it's all gone to hell. One of their last shows. I think I don't know. It was a last show or yeah. a reunion show or yep. something. Yeah. So I, that probably was the uh, it's all gone to hell last show. Yeah. Tyrant played it. Alvin's. Uh, yep. Kill everyone played. Yeah. It was a good show. Fight it out played. Yeah. Somebody posted that flyer the other fucking last. I think it was a, somebody in fight it out. Yeah, Jeremy. Did. Yeah, yep. yeah. I seen. I was like, oh, yep. damn, I remember that one. That was a. Uh, Hell of a show and fucking yeah, that's all gone to hell. Was goddamn a good band too. Great band. Shout out. Excuse me. So. Yeah, so you know, Japan was it was cool. You know, it, it was again once in a lifetime thing, and and I think from there we did have you know plans to like let's do Europe, let's try to go you know outside you know more countries, and you know it just didn't develop. You know, we we had something kind of set up that just didn't didn't go through and and uh so we're talking probably 2013 the band broke up in 2014 so they um they went on as a band without me and uh played a couple shows and uh but yeah they just kind of called it quits i think it was 2014 is when the band broke up yeah rest in peace 
Will there ever be a reunion? I have to ask. You know, it just doesn't seem, you know, uh, I mean, half the band's not straight edge anymore. Um, Though we could put together, you know, a full lineup of older members that are still straight edge, but I just don't know if people would be into it, man. I, I, like I said, Dave was always the face of tyrant. I don't know if, you know, people would really care. Um, you know, they, we did some shows without Dave, you know, so there, there were times where Dave wasn't in the band and there was times where, you know, I ended up having to, you know, do vocals for an, a whole tour because he couldn't do it. Um, you know, so it, it happened. But, you know, again, it's just one of those things. I, I'm not really sure if people would even really want to see it. Um, but we do yes, have. We would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just murder ball one yeah, last right, time. Right. In but, my thirties, um, I'll still play Murdy Ball. I don't give a shit. Right, but we do have uh, so my boy Brendan, who runs that Over and Out Records, um, he is putting out Welcome to Hell on vinyl, which is I've been waiting for that thing to come out on vinyl for a long time. Really I know a exciting. lot of people too that that want to get their hands on it. So uh, it, it, right now it's being worked on artwork. You know, we're trying to just you know get things wrapped up for it. Um, so you know, not sure when it's going to come out, but it will come out, you know, on uh, Over and Out Records. And, um, you know, it's going to have all the original artwork. You know, it's just going to be kind of a throwback, you know, collectors. Right, people will eat yep, it up. Yep, and it's just going to be, uh, I think, uh, one and done. Like, you know, he's going to put it out, you know, mm-hmm. a special uh, limited edition. And once it's done, it's done. Oh, that's so, fucking exciting. Yeah. That's good because, you know, you can find it on iTunes and whatever else. But yeah. But when you repress something, you know, it just has a... It's a special feeling. When yeah, and I mean, let's be honest, man. Like, nobody collects CDs. I mean, I, no. I have every CD I've ever bought still, <laughs> you know, but... No. But, you know... I, I don't. I'm fucking scratched up and broke yeah, and, yep. and lose but, them. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people, they want that on vinyl. I've had a lot of people, you know, ask about it, and uh, it seems like, you know, it, it's it's you know, it's going to be... It's exciting. A lot yeah. of people are probably into it. Yep. So... So it's never been on vinyl. Have you had anything on vinyl? We did. So uh, Extinction, so that was our last uh, EP that came out. Um, so Eulogy pressed that on yeah. CD. And then um, a European label called Filled With Hate. Oh, yeah. They um, they put it out on a picture disc. So it's like a double-sided uh, picture disc. So, yeah, it, it's vinyl, but it's, you know, it's not the, the, the classic yeah, seven inch. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's like a seven inch double sided, um, yeah, picture disc. That's so, awesome. Yep. So fun. So moving on after Tyrant, there's a couple bands after that. Um, what's when you? Yep. Terry and. Yeah. So after uh, after Tyrant split, you know, and I had played in a few other bands. It was you know Reckless. Oh yeah. Um, Shout out. And I then love that one too. Andrew that played bass in Reckless, um, we started another band, or, or he actually he asked me to to join one of a you know a band he was starting up called Bad Taste, and you know we put some music out and played some good shows, played that um, Suicide Machines reunion show at the Trumbull Plex that was really cool, um, but that band didn't break up. We just kind of refocused it. Um, Andrew went from guitar to vocals, and then the band name changed to Down and Out. So that was, you know, a fun band for a while. We put some music out, mm-hmm. played some shows, but uh, eventually, you know, with life, you know, everybody just kind of has their things going on. And, but um, but after Tyrant, 
you know, we'd start up uh, a band called Bitter Peace. Um, Terry, who played in Tyrant, he uh, he wanted to start kind of a metal, kind of thrashy, I like that Slayer one, kind of band. So, uh, you know, he he sent me some of the music he was working on, and I was I was all about it, man. I was like, hell yeah, this is you know really good stuff. So. So yeah, we uh, we started working on some material, and, and we were kind of short a few members. So you know, we we're kind of throwing around, you know, who's going to play bass, and you know, who's going to sing. And, and so he had mentioned this dude Josh wanted to sing, and, and I didn't really know Josh that well um, in in the bands he had played in, but uh, he came and, and tried out. And I remember, or he was already in the band. I can't even remember, but. I remember him just, it was perfect. It was just like the perfect vocal style, you know, for the band. And, and so we went in, recorded some music and, and that was going great, man. We, we really were making some noise and playing some shows and writing more music. And, you know, we had like a, it was like a four song cassette that was released. I think it was released on CD too, but, uh, put out a, a video and, and it was cool, man. It was going really well. And we were writing a lot of, a lot of music to, you know, do a full length or whatever, but uh, that's when uh, Cold as Life started back up. So they they kind of got going with their band again, and, and TJ ended up uh, joining that band, and it kind of put us on the back burner because you know they were getting some you know some big uh, yeah, opportunities. Yep, just, yep. So just on that path again. As yep. soon as they're on board, they just yep fucking full steam ahead. Yep. Like, so it, it kind of put us on the back burner, and I, I just assumed, well, you know, when we can do the band, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I was playing uh, guitar and Smash Your Enemies too, so I was kind of doing both bands. And uh, but yeah, it was just you know by the time it was all said and done, I, I just think you know the interest was kind of lost, and, and you know we just didn't continue on with the band, and so it was kind of a bummer. I think you know I think we all miss that band but it, it it was just one of those things where you know the the buzz kind of fizzed out so yeah yeah but uh, josh now has those uh, yeah two other bands yeah. enemy of god and hush for which, sure and, both great bands josh is, is such a fucking great dude man that you know so his his other two bands are, are just killing you know the yeah. detroit hardcore hell yeah tough ass enemy of god and then you got the old school yep hushed which, yeah it's like on two ends of the spectrum it's so crazy yep. that he can you know it's impressive that he can do that yeah you know cause some people scream but then it just turns into i don't know how to explain yeah hushed vocals but you know and it's, it's fucking and tough it's funny when, when tj was telling me about him uh you know I, again i didn't really know him that well i knew who he was but it, it was talking to him i mean this dude's like young his favorite bands are like Merciful Fate and like old metal. And I'm just like, what? This fucking young kid likes these old ass bands. And But yeah, man, he he's just a legit old metal dude. His fucking dad is an old metal dude. And so, you know, he, actually his dad and me are probably close to the same age. Mm. <laughs> we were talking about actually one time at a show, he was telling me about a show he went to. And I was like, I was at that show. It was like Sepultura or something That's like hilarious. that. Yeah. No. The only show my dad took me to is with Ted Nugent twice. But yeah, st- hey man, that'd still be cool. a fucking party. I was yeah. nine years old. Once see yeah, Ted man. Nugent, man, I was is that Pine Knob back yeah. when it was still Pine Knob. Right? 
you know, just seeing. Yeah, I knew my, all the Ted Nugent songs. My dad, you know, my whole life, he he just he thought I just played devil music. He just <laughs> never yeah. supported any. Talk about killing your family. Yep, yeah. yep. And, That's what everybody says. They don't know. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. And, and I, hurt your animals, right? Like, what? Yeah. And I remember too. He was, you know, wanting to hear my band that I was in at the time or something. And I, I think I gave him a CD or something. And the, the moment he heard the word fuck, he was just like, "Yep, you're in a devil music band." <laughs> Sounds like you're playing devil's music. Yeah. Anybody with a tattoo was a fucking devil worshiper to my dad. You yeah, know? So right, like, okay. Right, yeah. All right. So, so on the wrong path. But, uh, you know, good things came, you know, down the road. Uh, you know, Cold as Life had, you know, they broke up. The members kind of split. And, uh, you know, Jesse was singing for him. And uh, he called me one day and he was like, hey, you know, we got all this music that we were writing for the new record. And, we don't want to throw it away and we're, we're, you know, trying to put together a, a new project. And so he was like, you know, do you know anybody that would play drums? And I said, you know, my boy from uh, King of Clubs, he had moved to Michigan. And uh, so he's living here. And I said, you know, he's a great drummer. He'd, he'd be down. And uh, he was like, you know, would you want to play bass? Because Matt's playing guitar. And uh, they had another dude lined up for guitar. And I was all about it. I was like, yeah, man playing music with friends that's what i want to yeah. so but uh but yeah so we started uh born of hate you know so and, and it would start off as you know the music that was never released um that was supposed to be the new cold as life record so and 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 ultimately you know that that's kind of what got the ball rolling but as a as a band we're, we're trying to write music that you know our own music you know where we're all yeah. writing you know trying to make the band more us um because it's it's pretty apparent those songs you know were wrote to be cold as life songs they have that kind of sound but uh but i mean it you know we, we got a fucking stellar lineup man i mean matt is just like a fucking master on guitar and you know thomas is just a solid great drummer Jesse's a great front man, great vocalist. Yeah. yeah, and then we 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 had a couple guitar players that just couldn't commit, you know, and and so we put uh, an ad out for uh, looking for a guitar player, and it was funny because Mike Hasty replied, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll play guitar," and we all just kind of thought he was joking, you know. And uh, we we're at band practice, and, and Jesse's like, "Yeah, what do you think about Mike?" And I'm like is he serious? And he's like, yeah, and I think. And so I, I can't remember who reached out to him, but we we're like, you know, were you serious about playing guitar? And he's like, fuck yeah, man. He's like, I like you guys. Your, your demo you put out was cool. You know, I'm into it. And uh, so, yeah, Mike jumped on board and I'm all about that. Cause let's face it, man, his, his, you know, three bands, earth mover, Walls of Jericho, it's all gone to hell or just yeah. fucking all great bands. Fuck yeah, and man. he's a riff master. <laughs> So yes. yeah, so the new stuff we're writing is we're we're pretty excited about it. Obviously, I'm excited. I can't fucking COVID, wait, man. Yeah, COVID kind of shut everything down yeah. for us, man. We had a lot of stuff going. Yeah, you shows. just get going too. Got the demo yep. out. You yep. know, your first show. What September of uh, 2019? Yeah, had a few shows um, over the winter, and yep. then. But that shut it's down. funny, you know. Going back to the the start of this conversation was prom, man. It was that was like for me like. One of the first bands that drew me into the hardcore scene. Is that the and first time you played with them as a first time I played with Prong? Yeah, okay. Agnostic Front. I played with that band several times. Yeah, but first time with Prong. So I, I was definitely like, like 
big smile the whole fucking night. Like, hell yeah. I remember seeing you, man. And, you know, it's weird because, you know, I've seen him a few times, you know, uh, through, you know, through the years after, way after that. But it it, it definitely, when you're, you know, when you're in junior high and you see him and then you're in your 40s and you see him, it's a little different vibe. But it was it was cool, man. I was pretty excited. Yeah, there's some for sure older gentlemen at that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of old dudes. Yeah, that's fucking cool sure, though man. because yep. you know they're the ones that keep them around. Yeah, you know? and, and you know you, you gotta you know hardcore is always one of those. There's always going to be a, a division, you know, like the old dudes and the young kids, and, and young kids have their own thing going on. And there's bands like Never Ending Game, and you know like. Uh, Enemy of God and Hushed and High Alert and, and all these kind of younger kid bands that they're keeping it going. And, and it's like you have to pass the torch on to the young generation. And because they, yep. And because the thing is, they keep the energy, they keep, you know, things going. And, you know, and that's one thing I've always tried to stay away from is being that old guy. Like, you're like, oh, you know, I only listened to the first demo that Warzone put out. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, I like a lot of new bands. I listen to a lot of new stuff. I'm still that young, hardcore dude just trying to find new bands. And and to be honest, if it's heavy, I'm I'm into it, man. Yeah. I like heavy, hardcore. I always have. But, uh, you know, it, it's like, you know, there's there's... There's the old heads that, you know, they're going to always come out and support bands and, you know, and then, but there's the young kids that, that keep the scene going and you got, you know, like the sanctuary venue, you know, I mean, they kind of like a, a dude that came up young guy that, you know, opened up a venue and played in a bunch of good bands. And, and so it's just trying to keep that thing alive through, you know, through this kind of COVID yeah. shit. Yeah. Yes. I hope, you yeah. By now, I hope that place fucking makes it through, you know. I think they will because, yeah. you know, there was a GoFundMe to, to help kind of support, mm-hmm. you know, keeping the venue and alive. The merch and they had some yeah. things and yep. a lot of and money raised, no I'm sure. No doubt about it, yeah. yeah. A lot of wrestling shows there, yeah. dude. That place is fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that place is really place. cool. I love Sanctuary. Yep, and that's something that I don't think any anybody in Detroit will let that venue die. No. I mean, even if it's like we got to do another fundraiser. That's all that's or, left. Dude, that yeah. Really- like smalls, just a couple places, yep. but you know, the sanctuary. It's called the sanctuary for a reason. Yep. You know, so 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 that's the thing. It's that's like a fun. Place. Hopefully, once stuff settles down, you know, I mean, the, the the big thing is, you know, I'm trying not to get too COVID political or anything like that, but it, it just comes down to you know, you got two camps fighting, you know, yeah. about whether it's real or it exists, <laughs> and 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 it's real. It exists. Oh, yeah. It's killing people. We need to be wearing masks. We need to be, you know, safe. Um, yeah, it, hit and, my, it hit my dad like yeah, right at the beginning. My dad yeah. was one of the first. Oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 you know media. Yeah, are they kind of blowing things up? It's possible, get, you know, are the look. are the uh, hospitals uh, overfilled? Yes, they are. I mean, that's dangerous. So I mean, we got to take it serious. We got to, you know, whether it's a vaccine or whether you know it's just trying to get through this, you know, winter time and. Hopefully things will start changing and, yeah. you know, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things we just got to get through it, you know, and then yeah, hopefully. Yeah, out in public. Yeah. Just, in, just, just wear your mask, people. Just yeah. wear your mask when you're in public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, you know, the thing is, it's like, you think of all the good shit that was lined up, they got shut down, man. Life of Agony was supposed to play Detroit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, sick of it all, agnostic like front, bunch of great shows. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that show was bummer. Be so fucking good because yeah. they even had rebooked it, yeah. and then it just got passed up again. Yeah. Like, Same thing with Life man. of Agony, man. Yeah. I had tickets to you know Life of Agony was playing, actually not Detroit, uh, Flint, and uh, it got canceled and rebooked to October, and then that got canceled, and so it was just kind of a fuck. Yeah, because I was really looking forward to see um, Crown of Thorns. I've never yeah. seen them before, and yeah, I've always loved cool, them. Sure. You know, that's it's more. I don't know, it's like poetry. That band, to me, anyway. Band, and, yeah. and fucking Danny Diablo. Yeah. <laughs> I love that it's, guy, it's man. It's funny. We, so me and Thomas from Born to Hate, we were talking a couple weeks ago, and we had played in Iowa. And when we got back, he was sick as fuck. And this was January, and and I remember he was like, "Man, I've never been this, this sick in my life." You know fever and coughing and and we were just talking the other day and i thought did you ever consider you had covid and he's like no and i'm like i bet you had it you know it was right when you know right before things started really coming down on us and and the way he described his symptoms to me you know current day you know i was thinking like gosh that's covid man you had it yeah and and that was in january And, and i remember you know talking to people and they're like gosh i got this cold that i just can't kick and this fever and and, and i remember thinking like you know in retrospect like, shit, everybody. they probably all had covid yeah, yeah yeah or you know who hasn't had it you know we're asymptomatic you know they had it yeah but i mean it really bum rushed the oh, united yeah. states so like, so Tom, thomas you were uh what was that uh like case zero or whatever or case mm-hmm. one oh yeah Patient oh, zero. Patient zero. You ruined our life, Thomas. Yeah, piece of shit. I don't even know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked it up. No. Yeah, so, you know, we got some new music we're writing. Um, you know, our, I think, you know, our, our goal is to, you know, get a few more songs written. Um, you know, maybe uh, get in the studio, record some new some new songs, try to, you know, get a seven inch put out or something. So Yeah, especially with uh, Mike Hasty. I'm sure he has a lot to add to it. So. He does, man. Yeah. He's like <laughs> it's, a... Yeah, a library of music, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, his own style. And, and, and between him and Matt, it's like you couldn't ask for two better guitar players. He's a beast too, dude. So his backup vocals, who Matt's is fucking like, evil, evil. Yeah, and, it, and it's like, you know, his his guitar ability is just it, it's amazing. I, I mean, I I have friends that they're they're good guitar players, and my cousin is a, a shredder, but Matt is like takes it to just a new level. Yeah. A new level by Pantera. I'm glad you guys are still doing something. You yep. know, it's, it's like I said it before. Um, but in Detroit, it seems like you know there's 50 musicians, but there's like 200 bands. You know, cause everybody's so interchangeable through this band. It's like yeah. a, it's like a checkerboard. You move one here, and it's all yeah. sort of move around. And and I I think you just have that in hardcore where I think what drew me to hardcore at a young age was like, oh, these dudes and bands are young. You know, they're they're younger people. They're not grown adults. They're they're writing lyrics about stuff I can relate to and, you know, stuff that, you know, it it, it wasn't like, you know, over our heads, you know, And, and I think that's what led me to bands like Judge and Slapshot and Biohazard and, and, you know some of the smaller hardcore bands and uh it's just one of those things you know you get these young kids and they start bands and then they see hey you know this is attainable like you can start a band and play with your favorite bands yeah and uh yeah it's 
And so, yeah, you get, you know, a group of, you know, guys in a band and they'll split off and start another band. And then, you know, some young kids will come up and, you know, they'll start other projects and, and it just can be never ending. So, yeah, I mean, you do get a lot of intermixing. And, yeah. and I think that's just, again, what keeps it going. I mean, you got, you know, like take, for instance, uh, you know, the band Freedom, you know, they, they, you know, their members went on to start other bands and, and you got, you know, True Love, which is fucking great Detroit hardcore mm-hmm. band. Probably the Check best Detroit hardcore band I've, I've heard in a long time. Uh, I'm not sure they're even still together, but, you know, they just, they broke off and did other bands and you got, you know, Freedom did, uh, you know, they're doing Never Ending Game now and they got a couple other projects. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's just never ending but it's just all exactly. friends supporting friends going to shows keeping it going and, and and to me that's kind of what hardcore is it's not always about trying to reinvent the sound it's always about like hey look we want to keep this sound alive like you know yeah biohazard's biohazard but you know you got bands that that want that vibe and that groove and it's like you can write that music to kind of keep that ball rolling because we know Biohazard's, you know, they're kind of done as a band. But, you know, as a younger person that might have not ever seen them, you know, it's, uh, you know, that, that young person. Seen, yeah, I've seen them seen a bunch. They're never just amazing. Seen them, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's just something where, you know, you're just trying to keep a sound alive. And that's why you, you'll hear bands like, you know, like Hush, for instance. I mean, they got, to me, they kind of have that negative approach, kind of older, heavy, you know, kind of punk, hardcore sound. And, uh, you know, it's just cool to hear people still still doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I Speaking of negative approach, I do like their version of Ready to Fight. It's really good. Yeah. I think they, on their last, uh, they did like a winter demo last yeah. year. They put it on. Hell yeah. And Josh really does a service by... He does doing that man. song, man. He does. He's, know, he's a great fun man. Get them going. I remember the first time I seen them uh, with um, H two O when they uh, played in uh, Ferndale. I yeah, think, yeah. Yep. The Loving Touch or whatever. But you know, because I I'd caught the very end of them and I heard them and it kind of reminded me of like Blood for Blood. Yeah, you know. But then I heard the I'm ready to fight. So keeping it real. Yeah, man. Fuck keeping cool. it Detroit, Can't, man. You cannot go wrong. Cover negative. Approach. <laughs> I mean, the the. You know, it's like the, the trinity of Detroit hardcore, negative approach, cold as life, and earth mover. Mm-hmm. Those are the three, man. I mean, you, yeah. you, you can't really, no bands really describe Detroit hardcore better than those three. And, and you know, it, it just, they, they started like their own kind of thing. And it's like they have their own characteristic sound that just you know was different than everybody yeah it's actually funny i was on uh, john brandon's the singer of negative approach his instagram the other day i never read his bio or anything but it says hey i didn't i didn't know i was going to be the francis scott key of hardcore yeah, that's great <laughs> it's like this national anthem of hardcore you know yeah. ready to fight i was like holy shit yeah like, he's got it right you know I don't know who gave him that nickname, but that's a good nickname for him. It is, man. Yeah, it suits him well. And, and, you know, it's funny that uh, being from Detroit, the first time I actually saw a negative approach was when I was in England. I was there just for a vacation. And I think I kind of looked, you know, ahead of time, you know, and like, oh, what's going to be going on when I'm there in Europe? Um, 
you know, there's a tattoo convention and that was a for sure thing. And then I looked at the, you know, all the venues and I saw Madball and Negative Approaches playing in England, uh, in London. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to be in London that night. Hell yeah. That's so awesome. yeah, we that's, went to, fuck, that's awesome. And I, you know, the, the bass player, you walked by me and you see my Detroit hat. He's like, hell yeah, man. And uh, we get to talking for a few minutes and, you know, we just kind of, bullshitted about bands and that's know. amazing yeah it was cool. happened to go to london i know and that's the first time i saw negative approach it was just funny yeah they broke up quite a while and, yeah they broke up yeah. for a long time and they did that reunion which i was not able to make um that that reunion detroit show um but uh but yeah it was it's funny that you know all those years later and uh the first time i see him is in england well i'm fucking lucky um so is that when you were in England? I think I'm correct, but you did a song with that uh, Dead Man's Chest. Did you do a song with them? I did. Yeah. Are they from there? Or they're, the... Yeah, they're from the UK. Yeah, yep, somewhere over uh, there. And and so a couple of the guys, you know, Andy, um, he's a drummer uh, and their singer. Good friends with those dudes, mm-hmm. and uh, they they were putting out a new record, and they're just like, hey. They're a straight edge band, so you know they're like, "Hey, uh, you know, we want you to do a part on one of our songs." So they sent me the song, and I recorded it here, and just had the vocals yeah. sent over. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So how'd you? Did they just ask you, or did you guys have some sort of relationship with we, that band? Before? We had already, yeah, I'd known them for a while by that point. Uh, well, when I was in London, you know, I met up with them mm-hmm. at the show. They were both there. That's what sparked my memory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking talk about that. Yep. So, yeah, we we had met up at that show um, and, uh, you know, just kind of bullshitted. But, um, you know, just from, you know, Straight Edge and Hardcore and his band was on Seven Dagger Records. So it just kind of, you know, we just kind of became pretty good friends. And, uh, yeah, we uh, just, yeah. They, they they had just awesome. you know had recorded they're fucking record. heavy though regardless yeah, heavy. yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. yeah i mean it's got to wait to get past whatever bullshit's going on in the world you know yep. wait for the go ahead to say hey you can play music and go to live shows and yep. i just think that the scene you know everything's going to be just revitalized because of what we've missed out all the old heads all the people you know oh yeah who really couldn't make it out whether it's due to family yep. or focusing on careers and but they're my was you know now you have to go yeah you, don't so, have a, you better fucking go so my uh my prediction is this the venues you know once everything kind of opens up there's going to be so much shit to go to you're going to have to make uh, a choice i'm like, going to ohio fucking like Indiana, do i St. see Louis? uh mad ball at smalls or do i go see uh uh, you know, Life Agony's playing at the shelter. You know, there's going to be so many shows because all these bands are just going to be itching to be back on mm-hmm. tour. And so it's going to be like, you know, every city, every venue is going to be packed with shows. I mean, you're going to have to pick and choose who you want to see. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I hard. might have to go catch Terror at the Sanctuary for their set and then run over to Smalls to see Madball or something. <laughs> I hope. I I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't be like that because all be. those bands pass through here. Yeah. And you fucking bet your ass. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's going to be for a while. Shows. It's going to be like, you know, everybody just itching to be back on mm-hmm. tour and playing. So, see yeah, it's going to be an explosion of, of never-ending shows. And, and oh, I mean, <clears throat> it's a good thing. So just to remind everybody, yeah. you know, that this 
shit has to keep moving and it's what you know, what we look forward to whether we have our own hobbies or whatever we do but yeah. whenever a hardcore show comes like i'm fucking going yeah man because it you know like you know growing up when you're younger you went to every show didn't matter who was playing same here i i, I just i just this is back you know metro times as the only way i knew about shows i'd get a metro times and look at the venues and see who's playing and i just remember just scanning that every week for the, the shows and you know, and, and going to hardcore shows, driving all over the place, man. I'd drive all through the night to go see a show in another state. And, uh, you know, you get kind of wrapped up in life and, and it's a thing where you just feel like, well, you know, there's just so much going on. I don't think I'm going to go to this show tonight. And you do kind of take advantage of, uh, you know, that there is a lot going on. And, and so, but, you know, it's a thing where hardcore is, is not just about, you know, it's supporting the bands on tour um, and supporting the venues and supporting the local bands and everything. So, yeah, it's unfortunate because being in bands, you do see cycles come and go where, you know, the, the attendance is way up and everybody's coming out and everybody's having a great time and, you know, and then things start fizzling down and, you know, they're only coming out for the hype bands. And I mean, that just happens, you know, it's just the way it is, yeah. you know, it comes in cycles, but uh, yeah, I think it's something where even me, you know, I, I, I sometimes pick and choose the shows I go to because, oh, yeah. you know, nowadays going to a show is it's, it's going to see a band I want to see. And, and you're not showing up to see your friends. None of my friends, you know, I mean, yeah, I, still see people i know at shows but it's not like the old days where i walk in and hugging like everybody 50 60 people all slapping hands mm -hmm. going out to eat afterwards i mean those days are over yeah know, i just feel like that you know i mean my age bracket anyways of friends you know they a lot of them don't go to shows anymore and if they do they're real selective and so yeah there's a few times i've i've gone to shows and i'm kind of looking around like i don't fucking know anybody okay i see you know brendan's over there and you know okay i'll walk over and talk to him and you know but yeah you know it, yeah. it's not the same but it's still again it, it's it's hardcore you know it, it's you know you just got to keep supporting that stuff yeah. But, yeah, there's a few years there where I don't think I made it maybe one or two shows a year, but yeah, that's happens. just, you know, life just gets ahead of you. And, you know, you it see this, like, fuck, this shit was last night. Like, yep. oh, man. And you forget us. Yep. I mean, feel bad because, you know, you're not able to support those touring bands, but yep. it is what it is. Lesson learned. Yep. I'll fucking be at every show coming yep. up here whenever we're allowed to. But, <clears throat> well, that was good. I think, we I, think I, got, I got one more question. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> How would you compare styles for? Oh my god! If I can get this out of my throat, <clears throat> how would you compare styles? Like, if you said like uh, European hardcore to like uh, like American hardcore, like would you say there's a notable difference or not too much? No, no. I, I think that what's popular in the states might not be, you know, popular. The, you know, the same style that's like a hype style mm -hmm. might not be as popular. I've that's really the only difference. Yeah, I was going to say, the only reference I really have for like European hardcore would be probably like Gallows. Probably Gallows yeah. would be about as far as I go European-wise. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many great bands from Europe. Um, you know, whatever it takes. You know, again, Dead Man's Chest talked about them. Um, Born From Pain is probably my favorite oh, yeah. European hardcore bands. Great bands. But, I mean, there's so many, so many great bands. Full Court Press. 
Um, there's this amazing straight edge band, uh, older straight edge band called Down My Throat. I remember hearing them and I was like, fuck. I didn't, you know, I just, I don't know how I got a hold of their, their music, but, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good bands, man. Uh, when King of Clubs went to Europe, we played with a lot of really good, kind of young, fresh, hardcore bands. And I'll be honest, they weren't playing anything different than the U.S. It was all kind of about the same style hardcore. Yeah. And everybody kind of was into the same stuff. So I don't think there's that div- division. Like there maybe would have been back before the internet, you know? I think, I think European hardcore, like they were just getting like U.S. hardcore bands through the mail and like that's how they were exposed yeah, to it. Right. And, you know, some bands were, 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 you know, able to tour over that way. But, uh, yeah, I think with the internet nowadays, it's like, you know, everything's pretty exposed, you know, all the bands, you know, so I don't, I don't think there's that difference in, in sound. Right. Like there, there might've been. Yeah, even American bands will be on a, any, a European label isn't filled with hate. Aren't they somewhere in Europe? They're, or they, they're, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're a German label. Okay, yeah, yeah. and then uh, Knives Out, was that what? Knives Out's from You France. guys were on? Yep, yeah. Yep. So, but, you know, the nice thing about those labels is they'll, uh, you know, they'll 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 kind of work with bands that, you know, might not really, you know, have a lot of buzz in the U.S., and, and it's cool that they'll they'll kind of pick up and they put out some blow stuff. Blow up in Europe. And... They do, man. That's King of Clubs initially crazy put out see. the first record on uh, Filled With Hate, and and it was did really well in Europe. And I, I can't say that, you know, other than our hometown and maybe a few states around us, I don't think many cared about King of Clubs in the U.S., but in Europe, I mean, when they... They went to, uh, they toured Europe a couple times. Um, this is when I wasn't in the band, but Nasty was opening for them. You know, there was like big European bands now that were like openers for King of Club shows. So, I mean, it was, it was cool to see like, you know, label like, uh, filled with hate and good life records and knives out that were just giving kind of younger bands a shot and putting out stuff. And yeah, it was cool. Yeah, you gotta have some, have some of your friends from Iowa come here and do a King of Clubs, uh, Born a Hate show. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fucking fun. People would be like, King of Clubs, who's that? <sighs> is that like a, uh, like push a... them for a couple weeks and they'll know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't worry, we'll put their songs on here. Yeah. Yeah. They'll throw one on. I don't know, man. Fuck, covered it all. I think that was a good one. Hell yeah, man. we to send it here. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah. Cool. Thank you again, man. Thanks yeah, for coming man. back. Thank you. It's no secret. <laughs> it's like a different yeah, world yeah. when you take those off. Yeah.